He says, since the Bucks will play the Bulls in the NBA playoffs, we just had the Brewers versus the Cubs. Because what is the most hated Wisconsin versus Chicago sports rivalry? Is it Packers Bears? Is it Bucks Bulls? Or is it Brewers Cubs? And he said, if you want, you could throw in Wisconsin Northwestern. We will not be throwing that in. No. So That's boys, just frustrating because stupid things happen. Let's just start right away. It is the NBA playoffs. Do the Bucks and the Bulls have a legit rivalry? Now, when you see, like our girl Bonnie Olson, who was uh, doing the PA, she said uh, she went up the game before, and it was the Bulls game. And the Bulls fans, they do pack the Pfizer Forum. The Bulls fans travel big time mm-hmm. uh, to come to Milwaukee to watch their team play. But their team has not been good for quite some time. But do the Bucks and the Bulls have a legit rivalry? I've never thought of it as one, but I know, never really have. I don't. Either. I don't follow the NBA cl- as closely as I do other sports. Rowdy, yeah, I'll be honest. Same kind of same answer as RJ. I don't really see it as that much of a rivalry. Maybe you could say it is because when they have games at the Fiveserve or in the past the Bradley Center, a mm-hmm. ton of Bulls fans would come. But I feel like in general, if you live between. Milwaukee and Chicago and or more or less the state of Illinois and the state of Wisconsin, I'm going to go out on a limb and say when the Bucks have been really good lately and the Bulls, maybe to a lesser extent, there's been a lot of Bucks fans in those two states. Mm-hmm. And then in the entire decades of the 90s, there was a lot of <laughs> Bulls, Bulls fans. fans. Yes. No, now, no Bucks fans to be seen until like 2001. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm get, that's what I'm getting at here. I think a lot of the the state of especially uh central to northern Illinois versus like the state of Wisconsin, mm-hmm. there's probably been a lot of flip-flopping on who people have cheered for. Yeah. Just because the Bucks were so bad for so long. I know. And listen, growing up in the 90s, how could you not gravitate towards Michael Jordan? Exactly. Especially when the Bucks were so bad. Okay, it's like one of those did you even know the Bucks were playing in the 90s? Yeah. I mean, I wrote a letter to Glenn Robinson. Did he write back? No. Mm-hmm. Giannis would have. But that's kind of like <laughs> that's kind of like what I'm getting at. I feel like there's probably been a lot of people that you would know that has worn a Buck shirt and a Bull shirt at different times in their lives, just mm-hmm. based on how good the other team is. But I'm also not super into the NBA to where it's like, oh, it's the Bulls. I freaking hate them. Yeah. Uh, the most would be man. I'm at this Bulls-Bucks game, and there's kind of a lot of Bulls fans yeah. here. It's like, oh, man, they travel pretty well. So I've never thought of the Chicago Bulls. I know that they are, quote, a central rival of the Milwaukee Bucks. I have never really thought of them as a rival. I've never. Yeah, I've like I said, didn't don't follow I mean, it enough to. And it's been runs. It's been like when one team's good, the other's not. Exactly. And it's. And you would say this yeah. year, the Bulls. Yeah, they were good, but since they lost Lonzo Ball, they've been a below 500 team, yeah. and maybe the only reason you could say is that it's really like a rivalry is probably because of the Grayson Allen, yep. him yep, taking exactly. out Caruso, and then on the back end, getting elbowed in the face, and then <laughs> completely raked across the face by Vukovic. I yeah. mean, other than that, is it really a rivalry? I, me, personally, when I looked at this and I saw that, there was one that instantly came to my mind, and it's for one reason. Both teams have been competitive as of late, yeah. and both teams travel pretty well to the opposing pers- uh, team's ballpark, and that's Cubs-Brewers. There's yeah. always freaking Cubs fans always. at 
at uh, Miller Park and now American Family Field. But when you go to Wrigley, you'll see a good contingent of Brewer fans. Remember when they won game 163? Oh, dude, it was a lot of Brewer fans there, and you could hear them. It was loud. And both teams have been pretty damn good for like the last decade. Whether it was the Cubs winning the World Series in 16 or the Brewers being you know, NLCS in 2018, they've both been pretty good. And how many times watching that uh, series, did you see the little uh, graphic pop up of, well, the Brewers have been hit 26 times by the Cubs and the Cubs have been hit 27 yes, times yes. by the Brewers now. And it's always yes. Wilson Contreras. Yeah. I like those he's always sticking his elbow or Rizzo. They both crowd the plate. Contreras is always leaning over the plate. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's amazing how many times you can get hit in the elbow when you're wearing a pad, that is, you know, four times the size of your elbow. So He's a I, clown. I had the Cubs feed all weekend. Plunk him yeah. all day. Funniest thing ever is they kept showing that graphic. But then if you look down, because they showed like the top five, it was obviously Cubs players hit by Brewers. Brewers hit by Cubs. Cubs yeah, hit by. It right here. Yeah. And guess what the third one was? Cubs Cardinals. Cubs, Cubs, Cardinals. Cardinals. Cubs freaking Cardinals. There's yeah. one team on here that that is like on every single one, and it's, it's the, the Cubs. Cubs. It's it's kind of amazing though. The Cubs don't retaliate against the Cardinals like they do the Brewers. Now, was there any on Sunday? Was and Sunday was there a hit by pitch? Uh, not off the no. top of my head. No, I don't, I don't think there was because McCutcheon got plunked, but it was Twice. halfway through. It was halfway through. Like that's why McCutcheon got all hacked off. He's like, why don't you just plunk me yeah. right away? What you're up. Eight to whatever, and you plunk him in the top of the eighth. Yeah, halfway, th- like, it wasn't even the first pitch. So I was like, through the, <laughs> I, I forget it. what he's the count like, was. He's like, in, his, in the post game, he's like, yeah, I said, good job. You finally did it. Yeah. Where was this a couple innings ago? You finally did it. Well, so we'll get more into that <laughs> well, coming up. Then yeah. you, you looked at, like, the the Packers-Bears. Yeah, it's a rivalry, but it's it's not as... It's not a vicious rivalry like Cubs Brewers for me right now. And no. that's because since Brett Favre took over in the 90s, Ownage. the yeah. Packers have owned the Bears. That, and Aaron Rodgers flat out told them, "Yeah, I own you my entire and that, career. That I one, I you. think, is still fresh on people's minds, kind of like uh, Minnesota-Wisconsin is the longest-running rivalry in Division One football. Uh, the Bears and Packers are the most played series in the NFL because both of them have been around since 1921. So when I woke up this morning, the, that's when the Packers officially entered the NFL. Right, right away. 20? Yes. The first thing I thought was this is Cubs Brewers and I don't think it's close right now. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to put a poll out, but I think that's going to win in a landslide. Let's go to the phones quick. Good morning. Who is this? Wisco Chad? Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, Wisco Chad. What's up, brother? Definitely Packers Bears. <laughs> that's the number one? Yeah, uh, like well, remember the the Brewers were in the American League thirty years ago. I mean, yeah. it was thirty years ago, but it's the, I remember. I can remember them being, Take, taking this yeah. thing national. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember. I, I can remember. Well, that's in fact that's where like a cheese head actually was invented at a Brewers Sox game. Yeah, it wasn't football. No, it wasn't. So it, which is funny. <laughs> <laughs> It, it just, uh, I don't know, it, it's, it's kind of hard. It, I, I worked at Miller Park. I saw the Cubs. It, there was always a fight. Like, that's just because Cubs fans come up and they act like they own the place. Yep. It, I don't know. It's just, that's, it, the Cubs also, like, if you've noticed, 
over the last year, year and a half, like they don't even sell out games anymore because nobody cares down there. In a city that's, what are they, nine times the size of Milwaukee? It's kind of hard to be a rivalry. The Bears still sell out even though they blow every year. (laughs) (laughs) And they want to move. So you're you're going going Bears-Packers. Yeah, I I mean, it, it doesn't matter if one of them is a complete scrub. It is still a rivalry game. So I'm going to say, who is Wisconsin's biggest rival from Chicago? And you're going Packers-Bears. I, I, also, I also sent you a text that I, I'm pretty sure the biggest rival is the Milwaukee Admirals and the Chicago Wolves. <laughs> They're always a brawl. Uh, yeah, that, that's one where There's the Gulls drop every game they play. I have never. I, we, I used to live in Milwaukee. I had never been to an Admirals game that did involve a fight. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fun, dude. Dude, it's the best. <laughs> Chad, do you, do you have Twitter? I forget. I do. I don't really use it. Oh, well, okay. I'll use my it. burner to vote for the Bears for you then. <laughs> That's fine. Because I just put the poll up. Brewers just played the Cubs. Bucks get the Bulls in the playoffs, and Aaron Rodgers and the Packers own the Bears. Who is who is Wisconsin's biggest rival from Chicago? So I'll use my yeah. burner. I'll use my burner, and I'll vote Bears for you. Okay, buddy? Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm just not a fan of the Twitter platform. <laughs> I, I'm trying to hey, you don't got you don't, you don't got to tell me. You know, you do whatever you want to do, brother. I'll I'll use my burner for you. Trying to use the trying full journal truth radio or whatever. The I'm sorry. Social media, whatever uh, the the uh, free source of information that doesn't have fake news on it. Twitter feed. What is it? Truth Social. <laughs> oh, oh, that's just riddled with fake news. Yeah. <laughs> Chad, we love you, buddy. See you guys. See you, buddy. Line two. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning. Oh, Nathan. Hello. So I think the answer to your question comes down to when were you born? Because around the time that the Brewers came to the National League is when the Packers started owning the Bears. So I'd say if you were born pre-1980, you're going to say Bears. After 1980, you're probably going to say Cubs. And um, any for the Bulls? No, I really don't look at the Bucks as having a major rival anyways. Just like University of Wisconsin, I don't look at any major rival, and I think that's just because, for the most part, they've owned Minnesota. Do you think it would be it, fair it, to it, say, Nathan, because I'm kind of with you, I don't, think, uh, I don't think they really have a rival either. I think the Bucks' biggest rival for the, wrong, uh, the longest time was probably like the eight seed. <laughs> Herb Cole. <laughs> it was Herb Cole. It was their biggest the lottery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, who are they going to draft? Because they didn't want to come. Here. They're like, yeah, don't draft me. I don't want to come there. Getting uh, re-signing a new contract for their number one draft pick. <laughs> yeah, their biggest or rival is just themselves. Draft pick that having a number one draft pick that has an actual number one quality draftee. I think their biggest rival might have been the whoever designed their uh, Christmas red and green jerseys. We were looking at the Twitter poll right now. Brewers just played the Cubs. Bucks get the Bulls in the playoffs. And Aaron Rodgers and the Packers absolutely own the Chicago Bears, if you remember, uh, if you remember that right here. Rodgers running for the score. Right on cue, Joe. Oh, God, there's Godgers right there uh, making his proclamation that he does indeed own the Bears. So, Bucks get the Bulls upcoming, just played the Cubs. Brewers, unfortunately, took an L, two L's, lost the series, did win yesterday. 
And the Bears always lose to the Packers, hence why we own them. So the question is, who is Wisconsin's biggest rival from Chicago? Bulls, Cubs, or Bears? Right now, Rowdy, and this is something we both said in RJ when he was in here, that none of us see the Bulls as a rival to the Bucks. Well, looking at the Twitter poll, Cubs lead the way, 54.8% of the vote. Bears are second at 45.2%. Not one single vote for the Chicago Bulls when it comes to... It's the biggest rival for a Wisconsin team, so I don't think it would, but not one single vote. <laughs> I think that says it all. I think it does, The fact too. that we've had this poll up for roughly an hour now, and not one person out there, not one person out there sees the Chicago Bulls as a bigger rival than the Cubs or the Bears. Who is the, who is the Bucks rival? I don't think they have one. Could you say maybe the 76ers? I don't. I, I don't think that's a rivalry. Remember, remember how it's still up there because it was put oh, up, there up there in, for five in years. like permanent marker that, that, instead that. of the dry erase marker. But we would go back and forth about you know it was trusting the process versus the Bucks that looked like they were growing into a better and better team as Giannis continued to ascend towards the top of the NBA. Yeah, and it would always be who's going to win if they play because both of those teams were expected to to be good. They never ever met up. No. Because it would be like uh, Kawhi Leonard hits that shot against the Sixers. Yeah. They beat the Sixers, and then Kawhi Leonard does what Kawhi Leonard did. And the claw. Came back from two down to beat the Bucks in six. Mm. Well, we had that up there multiple times for multiple <laughs> playoffs, and they this never years met. Ago. I don't. Get, I, I feel like this is this is like a forced rivalry where, where people wanted it to be a rivalry. I think you were right when you said it earlier, so... So I just Google this. Who is the Bucks' rival? And the first thing that comes up is the Chicago Bulls. I don't, I don't. No, they're, they're not, like I said, their rivalry was either with themselves or with like the eight seed. Yeah, that, that's what you were saying. It's like the, the Bucks is the Bucks' biggest rival for the longest time was like Herb Cole, the owner, who didn't realize the seat above eight existed. Like, oh, let's get to the playoffs. We'll sell some merchandise at Coles, and we'll call it a successful year. Like, I'm trying to think of like some of the teams growing up that. Uh, the Bucks would play pretty consistently in the playoffs. It'd be like the Hawks, but it wasn't really like a rivalry. Like the Pistons back when the Pistons were good wasn't a rivalry. They just smoked the Bucks. Yeah, I don't like who is the. I'm, I so I Googled something. I just I looked up an article. Milwaukee Bucks tie, top five rivals of all time ranked number five. The Raptors. <laughs> Why? Because of one Kawhi Leonard series. Number two, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers. What? And they just talk about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar going from the Bucks to, that, to L.A. Like, do you think of the the no. Lakers as a rivalry? I think of them trying to and LeBron James trying to recruit Giannis Adetokounmpo for a, a quick second. But I mean, no? it, it, just on the surface, when I think about the Lakers versus the Bucks, I think of the Lakers being great for like the majority of my lifetime, well, outside of very recently, and the Bucks being bad. In this article, <laughs> they reference the seventies. Yeah, so. It's Milwaukee's first chip in 71 and again defeating LA in 74 in the first round. Between then, the Lakers took down the Bucks in 72, eventually winning a title of their own. Okay, And then I think by the time you hit the 80s, that was no longer a thing. Then in the 80s, they talk about the Boston Celtics being uh, the biggest rival for the Bucks. Now they have number two is the Philadelphia 76ers. And then number one is the Chicago Bulls. And here's the reasons they get. The Chicago Bulls are the Bucks' biggest rival for a few reasons. While they have not been Milwaukee's most frequent postseason competitor like the Sixers, the Bulls have the advantage of geographic proximity and sharing the same division as the Bucks, matching up four times a year and drawing blood. 
The last few years have been iffy in the two organizations' rivalry. <laughs> but Milwaukee and Chicago have often been at the other side of rising and falling in the NBA. They've never been good at the same times. This is the first time the Bucks have met the Bulls um, in the playoffs since 2017. Or I'm sorry. This is the first time Chicago is the sixth seed and in the playoffs for the first time since 2017. This is the fifth all-time matchup between the two franchises in the playoffs. They've split the first four with the most recent meeting in 2015, where the series went to the Bulls in six games. I just, I'm trying. The Bucks' biggest rival has, has to be themselves. As long as they don't get in their own way, that's their own rival. I just, I don't know. Then you look at the, so let's break it down for the rest of the Twitter poll. Packers, Bears, then Brewers, Cubs. With the Cubs rivalry, Rowdy, I think it's the Cubs. I, I voted Cubs. You I already Cubs? voted the Cubs, too. I, when I woke up and saw the tweet from King, I literally instantly said, said Cubs. Cubs. So did I. So over the weekend, uh, Wilson Contreras for the Chicago Cubs is one almighty D-bag. This dude is a clown. He can't, He loves to lean over that plate, stick that big-ass elbow pad out, and get hit by whatever Brewers pitcher is up there. Over the last... Oh, then he likes to bitch. And then bitch, yes. Over the last three seasons... No team has been plunked as often by another than the Cubs by the Brewers. So, Rowdy, the last three seasons, last year, 27 hit-by-pitches. Brewers against the Cubs. Before that, it was the Brewers getting hit by the Cubs 26 times, and then it would be the Cubs hitting the Cardinals 24 times, and then the last of that would be Mets Marlins. We'll throw that out. You saw that stat, right? Yeah, and the one, the one team that pretty much was that it was in common with everything else was the Cubs. So I didn't see the Brewers having any other rivalry in the top five or or team that they play where they were hitting each other back and forth. It was literally the Cubs and Cardinals or the Cubs and Brewers. So, Don't you find that weird that in baseball, out of the top five for uh, hits batters, the Cubs are on there three times? Yes. like So it goes Cubs-Brewers 27, Brewers-Cubs 26, Cubs-Cardinals 24. Cubs are littered on that list. Exactly. No other team is on there more than once. Well, the Brewers are twice. But yeah, yeah, but that's the, the little back and forth. Yeah. But I'm saying the Cubs are on there twice. No one else is on there twice. Cubs, Brewers, Brewers, Cubs, Cubs, Cardinals, Mets, Marlins. In fact, what we got uh, on Saturday. Two on pitch and they hit him and Andrew McCutcheon not happy. And he's turning and talking. And now the Brewers coming out of the dugout. Craig Council's not happy. He's talking to Nick Lentz. And there's no doubt what the intention was there. So McCutcheon was all hacked off on Saturday. So Wilson Contreras got beamed again, as he should. Every time Wilson Contreras gets beamed and Angel gets its wings, well, Rowdy, Contreras gets beamed, and they got to retaliate. And then it's halfway through the at-bat for Kutch, and then they plunk McCutcheon in the side, and that's when he had the problem. I love the rivalry between the two, but that's why I voted Cubs, because it goes into this, right? It's the, it's the plunking. It's the, it's the almost fights. There should have been a fight on Sunday, or Saturday. Do you think there's going to be a punch thrown, or did you know right away is going to be like the hold-me-back kind of situation? Most of the... T- See, it's not... a. It's not that I was going to say there wasn't a punch. If it was the NBA, I'd go out on a limb and say, well, it's not really a limb, but I would say there ain't going to be a punch thrown. The NBA is everyone's a hold me back guy since the malice at the palace. (laughs) Yes. MLB, 
a lot of times it's a hold me back, but every once in a while you're going to get a, a pretty good one here and there. Yeah. So Cubs and do you view the, obviously the bears are a rival, but when it comes to the rivalry in the NFL for the NFC North, is it bears number one or is it Vikings number one? See, and I, I really do think it goes back and forth. It For me, it's like whichever team's better because the Bears had a few good seasons in the last 20. Vikings have had a few good seasons in the last 20. Mm-hmm. I would still lean that I get more upset with the Vikings a little bit as a bigger rival. Maybe it's, I think it's on multiple, multiple levels. I wasn't alive for the 80s where the Bears dominated the Packers. I've only seen the Packers completely own the Bears with Brett Favre in the 90s and Aaron Rodgers till today. And I think it's the other thing with Brett Favre playing for the Vikings. Yeah. And I guess just some really good players are obviously on both sides, but majority of said good players since I've been alive, I would say played for the Vikings. It was the Cole Pepper uh what was it? Uh, keep it rolling get or your roll get your roll. Yeah. That bugged the hell out of me. Obviously, Randy Moss, Chris Carter, and uh, what was it? Reed. They were all really good players. Reader. It's like the bears haven't had as many good players or as good of teams. In my opinion, that just pissed me off. Like, <laughs> like, okay, don't get me wrong. They've had good players like Erlacher and Briggs, yeah, yeah. but they weren't guys that just pissed you off. No like, more Vikings. Yeah, no one really pissed me off from the Bears. I hated the get your roll on from Dante Culpepper. Every time I saw him do it, I, mm, mm. I just wanted to scream. Anger. Let's go to the phones quick. Good morning. Who's this? Dude, not just the get your roll on, but what about that stupid horn? Bah! Oh, my wife, like, rages every time we're watching a game with the Vikings on. And that happened. She's I mean, like, the I rivalry is so this. bitter. It was remember their uh, mascot that 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 Viking looking biker dude, like the the like the, yeah. the Viking strapped on some Harley leather, you know, chaps. That guy, <laughs> he asked for a raise after like 15, 20 years of the Vikings. They said no, and he denounced. He quit, and then he denounced his Vikings um, fandom, and then came and said, "I love the Green Bay Packers." <laughs> Another player for Wisconsin basketball has hit the transfer portal. Lorne Bowman oh, wants to must to leave. Like, no, <laughs> Lorne Bowman wanted to be closer to home, and I saw it. And I was like, Oakland? That's not. It's a lot farther away from home. I was like, Oh, oh, oh Oakland, Oakland Hills. Hills. Yes, Lorne Bowman uh, sticking around in Michigan, so it's be Oakland yeah. Hills, the Detroit suburbs. And now, now, what did he average? Twenty-two games, averaged three points, one point one rebounds. I do believe ten, ten minutes, and yeah, I'm, not I'm, much. He'll, He'll go there and probably be a starter. He was nice off the bench, yeah, and absolutely. I thought the future was going to be bright for him with Wisconsin. It's just his only problem is he had Chucky in front of him. And then there's also the the family of issues that he had had. I don't, we don't know exactly what it was, yeah, but still it, last season it derailed him, and this season obviously derailed a lot yeah. of his time with the Badgers. So he's gone. Yeah. And now you look at this Badger team, and you're left scratching your head. Five scholarships open. Five scholarships four, four open. Open one guy coming in. Yeah, because there's another guy coming Five in. Five roster spots because Higginbotham is no longer with the program. Yep, I saw the, uh, last week, was it Thursday or Friday, they had a Wisconsin basketball on Twitter, had a big send-off for Carter Higginbotham saying yep. thank you for everything you've done. Thank you. But, Rowdy, any last words for Carter Higginbotham? Good riddance. All right. <laughs> same, same thing with Lauren Bowman. Good riddance. Oh. So now it's 
this team, you're left looking, and I got a couple of messages over the weekend. Like, I think this team's going to be pretty tough next year. It's it's time to strap in for a lean season. Well, you don't know that. Now, it's looking like it could be. I don't know who you're going to. There's a lot of guys that hit the transfer portal, a couple homesick. Others just wanted some time elsewhere. And Rowdy, speaking of the transfer portal, Wisconsin's been linked to. Well, much? some of the guys that they were linked to early like the Nelly Cummings of the world, have yeah. already committed elsewhere. Yep. I know that they had that D, D2 All-American. I know that there's since been a guard from uh, the Green Bay Phoenix. Yeah, but who I, apparently had a great visit. Hey, good for him. But it's, uh, in my opinion, it's kind of been pretty quiet yeah. on the Wisconsin you know, transfer portal front. Well, that guy from Illinois State who is now being offered by like everybody in the country. Yeah. The Badgers, like, were with him right after he declared, and then like everybody else was like, "Here, here's our hat too." I feel like if you're a good transfer portal candidate, or you're in the transfer portal, and you look at the Badgers and you're a decent player, you're going to get on the court immediately. Yeah, absolutely. Because Badgers right now are pretty thin. Yeah. For well, I roster. mean, you lost forty eight percent of your scoring when you lose Johnny Davis and you lose uh, what's that, Brad? Yeah, Brad Davison. Yeah. Uh, that's two huge roles. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you lose Chris Vogt. He was your primary backup center and yep. one of the first guys off the bench. Yep, yep. That that's three big roles. Now we just talked about Lauren Bowman. He's your backup point guard. Yep. Potentially could have been a starter this season. And we saw how well that went when he was on. <laughs> when he was on the court, man, when, he looked good in his limited minutes. Yeah, for, for the most part, and he was Badgers. truly missed against Iowa State. It, yeah, boy, was he ever! Especially when uh, Chucky Hepburn went down. So, I mean, this team, a lot of nervousness coming into the season that was, right? Yeah. Been in from 8th to 12th, and consensus was 10th. Well, they want to share the Big Ten. I'm even, now I'm really concerned about this coming season. Oh, yeah, you're going to be. You have five open roster spots for scholarships. Still going to pick them in the top four of the conference (laughs) next year, though. Hell yeah. (laughs) And six total if you count the spot vacated by Carter Higginbottom. Yeah. That's that's a lot of scholarships to give out between now and the start of basketball season. Right. And there's, well, there's, what they say? There's like thousands of players in the transfer portal? Yeah. Or o- over a thousand players in the transfer portal, I should say? Uh, or was it thousands? Thousands. Thousands. There's over a thousand in the transfer portal for football. Woof. There's, there, I mean, you double, well, more than double uh, the number of basketball D1 programs. There's... I mean, you're even looking at the D2 kid. I mean, so you got other people in the transfer portal too, but I think it was over 2,000 for D1. Damn. Basketball. That's a lot of movement. Yeah. Yeah, transfer portal is definitely going to, well, it already has, changed the face of college basketball. You hope the Badgers can dip in and, um, I don't know, well, it's like, build a roster. If you, <laughs> if you do well in the transfer portal, it, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a great recruiter out of high school. Right. Yeah. Like, because when you look at uh, some of those teams, at like Texas Tech, that yeah, they went from being really good under uh, Beard yeah. to him leaving for Texas and then bringing in a new coach and literally a ton of new players. Yeah, and they were all senior laden. They had all played for a long time. They're all pretty solid players. And boom, they were right we there to be competitive. At, we can even look at the NCAA tournament this year. Look at Iowa State. Every other yeah, person, yeah. it was like, and last year at Kentucky, last year at Kansas. The whole team was transfers. Yeah, that they wouldn't have finished, what, they had two wins last they, year? Half of their roster was transfers, and the people who had minutes last year 
We're on the bench not getting minutes this year. Do you think you could argue that you can, in theory, be a better coach and or basketball coach if you can navigate the portal better these days than maybe even the recruiting trail? It honestly helps because what most of your classes are max, maybe three kids. Yeah, like, okay, yeah. so they're bringing in one kid. He's supposed to be a decently athletic shooter yep. from Indiana. Yep. That's that's one spot. All of a sudden, you have five guys leave. Mm-hmm. You got, you know, in theory, four open spots. And it's like, if you can go locate the solid talent that's played Division One basketball already, like the kid from Indiana is an unknown. You, right. you have no idea if he's going to be the 10th guy on your bench or if all of a sudden he could be Johnny Davis in two years. Mm-hmm. He's probably leaning closer to he'll Johnny be the 10th guy on the bench. Oh, but you know what I'm saying? It's like you don't you don't know exactly. <laughs> he has never played college basketball before. Right. But I can identify three other guys that were pretty good maybe in like the Horizon League or another guy that was kind of a, a guy off the bench for a, a blue blood power five. Yeah. But he's was a lot highly touted than some of my recruits. If you can navigate the portal and identify talent in the portal that's been there, done that in college basketball, I feel like you have a lot better shot to be more consistent. Is this the new thing? It goes from one and dones like Kentucky to uh, portals. Well, like portal yeah, I mean, what would you call it? Would they be one and dones too? You come somewhere, you're like, okay, I like it here or don't like but, it here. Then all of a sudden like you're the, off somewhere else. I mean, you did have the former director of recruiting at Wisconsin who wanted to change the Badgers into that. Yeah. yeah, I always went to Michigan, Michigan State. State. But the thing with like the portal is they don't necessarily – that can be grad transfers or it could be someone that played one year, didn't like it, was homesick, whatever, and they still have three, four years eligibility left. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be an interesting landscape. Already is in college and, basketball. And the weird – there's still a lot of Wisconsin connections out there that haven't announced where they want to go yet. Yeah. Some of them the Badgers offered and they went elsewhere. Some of them they did completely said – Nothing to, and they ended up at like a max school. And all those guys get at least one free transfer. Yeah. So all the big boys out there left. Come on out. Come on to Wisconsin, baby. Madison's great. Let's go, baby. Thursday opening day. Brewers unfortunately fell five to four. Friday rain out got canceled. Rescheduled to May thirtieth. Doubleheader that day. Saturday one to forget. Brewers lose nine to nothing. Brandon Woodruff got absolutely plowed nine nothing over the or from the Chicago Cubs. And then yesterday, it was looking a little dicey. Brewers were looking at a three nothing deficit after Freddie Peralta was getting tuned up a little bit. And then the bat of Willie Adamas for the first one of the season. Sounded a little like this. Holds the ball in that. Now kicks the leg. 3 2 pitch. Small run. Hit high in the air. Deep in the left center field. Watch this baby fly. Way back. And up. And gone. Willie Adamas, the first home run for the Brewers in 2022. Hell yeah. Willie Adamas getting it going, Rowdy. And then it wouldn't stop there. This one was a no doubter from your namesake, Rowdy. Rowdy. Telez. The 0 1 to Telez. And Rowdy, a high drive, deep right field. Suzuki back at the warning track, and the Brewers take the lead. Woo! And then Rowdy, it would be the Cubs then fighting back a little bit. And it wasn't until a unfamiliar face for the Milwaukee Brewers goes by the name of Mike Brousseau. Take a listen to Brousseau. My God. Pitches hit high in the air and deep in the left center field. Back on that Hermosillo track wall. See you later. Brewers back 
in front. The first hit with a crew for Mike Brasso is a go-ahead pinch hit home run. All those home runs brought to you by Unity Point Health. Meritor, a partner of UW Health, keeping you in the game. It was uh, a home run, some dingers yesterday, Rowdy. One, two, three of them. Yeah, I'm me personally, I'm glad that Friday got postponed and moved to a game in May, a doubleheader in May, because normally when the Brewers aren't playing very well, they kind of lose games in bunches. And we saw this team, especially last year, get hot and win a ton of game in bunches. I was just thankful that with how they played in that series, they were able to salvage one game because they very easily could have got swept in three games at Wrigley field over the weekend. And I, I, I did not have a good feeling in that game Sunday, especially so they get a Willie Adamas home run. They already gave up three runs. Freddie Peralta did right away. And it was like, he could not hit the strike zone. And then when he did throw that curveball, he hung it, it gets taken out of the ballpark. They're down three to nothing. Yeah. Willie Adamas hits one. It's three, one. But when Rowdy Telez came up and hit that three run shot, my, my comments to you guys were, well, now they need a shutdown inning and they were unable to get the shutdown inning. And I was kind of like, Oh, here we go. That's cause that's like a, in baseball. A lot of times, if you can take the lead after trailing uh, for quite a bit of the game yeah. and get a shutdown inning, it goes a long way into you winning that game, especially when you creep up to those middle late innings and they gave it up right away. Yep. And I'm like, Oh, this, this just feels like another backbreaking loss where they're going to find, but yes, Mike Brousseau, Huge home run. Yeah, this guy, believe it or not, um, from Indiana, he grew up a gigantic Cubs fan. Huge Cubs fan. He went to Wrigley about 50 times, and he got a little emotional after the game talking to Sophia Minnert with Bally Sports right right there. And I just just wanted to play it a little bit. Um, Here's uh, Sophia talking with... um, Your first series here at Wrigley Field, your first home run as a Brewer couldn't come at a better time. You grew up a massive Cubs fan, so you deliver your first career pinch hit home run against the team that you grew up watching, a special stadium for you here. What are you thinking and feeling in that moment to see that ball go out? Yeah, obviously uh, a big time in the game. Um, Yeah, it was pretty special. It was pretty special. uh, This is a a great atmosphere, good park to play in. Uh, The fans get on you. It's, it's, It's a fun environment, so... Um, you know, especially coming back from the last couple of days, uh, you know, it's, it's good to get a couple of runs across the board for our team. So look at I love the answer, Rowdy. He's like all about the team, all about you know, you know, adversity and bouncing back. Get us caught up a little bit. This guy, like, he's a utility. Like, he can play anywhere. Yeah, right? he pretty much can play everywhere, but catcher. And uh, did that for the Tampa Bay Rays off and on the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got. He's a guy that has to be a team guy as in like a utility player or else he wouldn't make many teams. Yeah. Like he, he's like that. Uh, if he wasn't able to play so many different positions, he's probably like that quadruple a type players, but he came up with a hell of an at bat for the Brewers. That right was, there. that was sick. So I'm glad the Brewers could salvage one against the Cubs. It was looking pretty tough, you know, especially when fastball Freddie couldn't really control himself at first, but that's all the Brewers starting pitches. They couldn't throw strikes the, the first three games. Yeah. Uh, you had Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta all start the game out with a walk. That's never a good thing. Putting putting runners on base, obviously, never a good thing. But not only that, but it was like Jake Cousins, his first guy he faced, getting, couldn't throw strikes. Yeah, he's been um, lit up too. 
Suter, when he first came in, he couldn't throw strikes and walked his first batter. It's just so far through three games, these guys, we know they're really good. They just don't look sharp. No, yeah. They don't, like, when they were rolling last year, there was no one better than Corbin Burns. He won the Cy Young, obviously. They just don't look sharp. They're not throwing strikes. And well, once Burns you said that, then he said that record too of most consecutive without walks. Yeah, yeah. The guy that started the season with the most consecutive strikeouts before a walk and before it was broken uh, by um, Garrett Cole. He also set the longest time period in a season. Yeah. with uh, a strikeouts without a walk comes out and, and walks the first batter of the game and ends up having like three or four walks. Same thing with uh, Woodruff. Didn't he have like four or five yeah, walks? Woodruff, Woody did not look he, good. Yeah, and Peralta had four walks. Yeah, it, Like you can't just walk guys, especially the first hitter of the inning, and expect to pitch well. Yeah, Freddie Peralta, four walks, and then Suter came in and walked two. Um, Cousins, Boxberger, Williams, then... Hater. So how did Williams look pretty not uh, pretty good there? But two strikeouts. Yeah, and obviously Hater did. And Hater's did one two well. three. Yeah, Hater's first close of the season. One two three. He's done. But th- I mean, those guys represent the last four National League relief pitchers of yeah. the year. Yeah. So you expect those two to look really good. Just don't. But get, yeah. put a wall in front of Devin Williams. Man, it was so frustrating with the with the Brewers starting pitchers because their stuff was there, the velocity was there. But it was they were getting behind hitters, they were walking hitters, and then when they did have to make a pitch, a lot of times they would hang something. And it, the Cubs, I mean, hats off to them, they took advantage of it. It's not like these teams, especially in the sport of baseball, are just going to roll over because the Brewers were seen as a much better team heading into the season. They still got to go get a win. But like I said, the fact that they could salvage one game here after playing as bad as they did and not get swept... That'll go a long way. If if you could go all year and never get swept, be awesome. Your record will be so much better than what it probably yeah. would have been otherwise. And, and obviously, they're going to happen. But if if you can keep them to a minimum when you're playing bad baseball, let's minimize the damage. I can't stand Wilson Contreras. Every time he gets beamed, an angel gets its wings, and he got beamed again. What was that on Saturday? He got been Friday and Saturday, or was Saturday the retaliation from a cushion from Friday? Or I'm sorry, from Thursday. Well, the thing with the Friday was off. See, I don't even care about the retaliation or anything like that. The thing with Wilson Contreras and him getting hit is one because he crowds the plate, just like Anthony Rizzo used to do, and two, he hangs over the plate. Mm-hmm. There's been multiple times since Wilson Contreras has come up and been a a Cub that you can see him hanging over the plate and it may have been a strike had he let it go by. The dude that can't help himself but lean in and try to purposely get beat. Like, he is so annoying. I can't stand this guy. Wilson Contreras, check this out. He's been hit 59 times in his career. And 15 of those 59 were by the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, there are times, Rowdy, where the Brewers... Uh, was it who beat them in the head last year? And it was he was it God who was that? Was it Ashby? Someone plunked him right in the head, but the the ball clearly got away from him. Didn't, didn't try to do it. But all the other ones, you could just see Contreras leaning into every free. Well, it's like at some point you have to kind of feel like you're past the I'm just going to bean you, and we're going to do this back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's like all right, I'm getting sick and tired of you sticking out your elbow. 
I don't necessarily need to actually go drill you in the back now. I want to grab you and put you in a head like like Nolan Ryan and punch you in the face. Yeah, I think that's what we all like, want to do with Contreras. That's where Contreras is going. Yeah, do the headlock and then beat in the face. Did you, It should have happened on Saturday. When Kutch got beamed, Andrew McCutcheon got, they got right in what he got, right in the upper ass. He got hit like hip area. And it was halfway through his at-bat, and he's like, dude, really? What the hell are you doing? Like, I don't have a problem with you retaliating, but halfway through the at-bat, like, come on. I just love the bad blood between these two. I'm torn on agreeing with McCutcheon because I get where he's coming from. Like, if you're going to do it, just go do it right away. Not when you already have, like, your two, three pitchers in and there's already a strike and whatever. Mm -hmm. But also, if I'm McCutcheon and I don't like it, I could have done something more than just uh, chirp chirping back and forth. Yeah, he was coach was chirping pretty good after he got hit. Nothing really happened from it. Uh, let's see here. I have the I have the broadcast. The ooh, that's John Boy Media. I can't play that one. There's a lot of swearing on that one. All right, here we go. It's right here. I found it. So Kutch gets beamed, and then here's what ensues. John, bench is clear. Too willing to just take his base. Yep. But uh, some others. Hayward coming over there in the Brewer dugout. Jason Hayward, first man in from center field. Yep. And uh, everybody will rush in and have a little bit of a heated confrontation. These are the worst. will not turn into anything more than mass gathering. Low Kane in there, John. What do they even? What, what does this accomplish when they all meet? It's on both sides of this issue. Whenever this happens, the Brewers are going to continue to make the case. Hey, we're not throwing at you guys in, on purpose, and the Cubs are going to say, "Yeah, you might not be, but we keep getting hit, and we're getting frustrated by it." So this is our, our way of sending a message that says you need to be a little more careful. Yes. How about there's an actual fight? Well, I, I would be totally fine with a punch being thrown. What about you? You got to sign Maldonado. Oh, Martin Maldonado. Uh, who did he hit? Was it Snyder? Yeah, uh, catcher for the Pirates. Pirates. And he gave him a big old chiner. We need one guy just to throw a... Where's Odor? Ooh. We need one guy to just to throw a falcon punch. Just whap, just just wreck somebody. <laughs> Probably, if at all, anyone would be what? Wilson Contreras? Contreras? Yeah, he's he's definitely got to be the most hated Cub at this point. Uh, B-Rail, our Cubs fan, says, uh, I wanted to see Hayward knock out McCutcheon. Why? I would see if, if Hayward didn't have a good series, I would have given the joke. Of course, he wanted to go see Hayward knock out McCutcheon, be the first hit Hayward's had in a while. <laughs> but of course, he had a good series. Uh, McCutcheon's the one. Uh, how about let's talk a little bit about McCutcheon, Rowdy? He's been starting this uh, season off pretty damn good for the Brewers. Uh, McCutcheon's well, been, he was uh, swinging the bat well in spring. See, when you have three and a half weeks to get ready for a season when you normally have six and a half weeks, you can see some of these guys that are extremely hot in that little flash of the pan spring training that easily carry it in to spring. And he might be hot for the next two or three weeks. That's why I'm surprised we haven't actually seen much of Keston here for how hot he was as well. I would think that they'd want to get some of those guys that were swinging the bat. Well, at bats consistently at what here played in one game. I think yeah, Saturday three. Saturdays, but that especially when you're seeing some of the guys that have struggled so mightily 
continue to struggle. So let's talk then on Christian Yelich. So this is a guy that, you know, obviously making the $26 million man, as Pete tabbed him, which he is, his big contract's now in full effect. The question is, can we rebuild him? Well, Rowdy, he, what, two hits yesterday? Got an RBI? Still Uh, looks bad. The first hit he had yesterday was uh, it was luck. What Strowman kind of bounced it off his glove and well, it just his weight transfer and his timing still just looks completely off through the first three games. And I think from what I've seen, I would say I've seen Christian Yelich take like one good at bat where he didn't look completely just out of sync. And yeah, like you said, his first at bat where he got or his first hit where he uh, it tipped off of Strowman's glove. Yeah. That was one where he pulled off the ball. It would have been a weak grounder to second base had Stroman not tried to to field the baseball, and he would have got thrown out. It never would have been a hit if Stroman didn't go after it. The only at bat off the top of my head where Christian Yelich looks like competent (laughs) was the one where he stayed in there, let the ball travel deep, and he took it to left field, the opposite field. If I was the hitting coach with Christian Yelich, I literally would say... Which hitting coach? (laughs) <laughs> either or there's two of them <laughs> if I was the sorry if I was the third hitting coach <laughs> if you were you I would literally tell Christian Yelich don't even look at right field you're never going to try and pull the ball again until we can see you go up the middle or the other way because when we've seen him struggle uh the last well I guess two plus years now when we've seen him start getting right it's when he starts to hit the ball to center and the it's opposite left, field, yeah. left field. And then he that's where he's staying in, staying on the pitches. His timing looks so much better. I would be like, literally, don't even look at right field until you can finally start to stay in on pitches going to center and left. Maybe by mid-May, we'll let you start attempting to pull the baseball. And it sounded like this, Rowdy. Here's a line drive down the left field line. Hermosillo going back. It's over his head and up against the wall. Extra bases for Yelich. Adamas around third. He's going to score. Yelich into second with a double. And the Brewers have cut that deficit to one. Yeah, Yelly, part of the reason why the Brewers won yesterday. So baby steps moving forward for Christian Yelich. All hope is not yet lost. But my God, um, you got to start stacking success somehow. And we'll take the first little dribbler that Stroman messed up on. Yelly's still going to base. And you'll take that RBI uh, double to score Adamas to make it a 2-3 game. Baby steps, Rowdy. Baby steps for Christian Yelich. Yeah, but we saw those baby steps last year where he got hot, was hitting for a high average for like three weeks, and then went back to doing exactly what he was doing, and that was looking pretty bad. Again, I'll, uh, I, I still chuckle at someone talking about Yelly last year. Well, if you look at the stats, Yelich was actually the third best for the Brewers' offense last year. Well, did you look at the Brewers' offense last year? That's not anything to brag about. Yeah, but also, also when you say third best... um. That's you had Rowdy Telez, who was only there for, what, roughly half a season and wasn't playing every day. Mm-hmm. Keston Hero was awful. Mm-hmm. Colton Wong was pretty good. In my opinion, would have been an all-star had he was had he been able to stay healthy. Because yep. remember, he had to sit out a, a big chunk early in the season. What was it, a hammy or whatever? Yeah, that whatever was. it was. You had Willie Adamas, who was great. But he didn't get to Milwaukee until was it like roughly week five or six of the season? Yeah. So he didn't start out there. He 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 missed the first roughly month and a half. He was in Tampa. And he was struggling with the Rays, wasn't he? Remember the first rough roughly month and a half for Luis Arias? He was god awful because he couldn't get the uh 
throwing the ball from shortstop to first base before they traded for Adamas. Yep. And he really came on once they acquired Adamas. So you, and then you had Lorenzo Cain who started out and had a lot of the season where he was injured. And then you had uh, in right field, obviously Garcia have one of his better seasons uh, Narvaez at catcher started the season extremely hot, but fell off when he started catching more towards the end. It was like he lost his legs and we know Manny Pena has really only had one good year hitting the baseball. It kind of left Christian Yelich as being your third because it was like, okay, there's a lot of other issues and a lot of other spots here when it comes to our hitters. No one had very few people outside of Avisel Garcia, when you actually look at it, were on the roster Mm -hmm. and playing well for the majority of the season. It was guys coming and going, guys getting hot, guys starting hot, or guys finishing hot. They only had, in my opinion, Avisel Garcia play from start to finish well the entire time. And now we already see that the Brewers are out Urias at third base, and it's kind of a revolving door between Brousseau and uh, uh, Peterson. And Luis Urias, full time players. Urias is supposed to be back in a couple of weeks with a calf injury. I think, didn't they originally say three weeks is what they thought he'd be? Well, out? first they thought he'd be ready for opening day, and then now they said what? Two, I think it was two to three weeks he'll be out. So I don't know. We'll see for Luis. See, I think we'll finally get to see a full year out of Willie Adamas, and that'll be a good thing. Because first know, home run of the year, Willie. Adams. I know he he was saying how he struggled seeing the the baseball at the Tropicana Field in uh, Tampa. Yeah, and now he had had pretty decent seasons overall numbers with Tampa, but was just struggling mightily. Like those first five weeks of the year, came to Milwaukee and was just gangbusters. Yeah. So I'm awesome. curious to see what he'll do a full season in Milwaukee. Cause hell, even if you just get the, uh, the overall numbers that he put up the entire year between both Tampa and Milwaukee, you'll take that every day, every yeah. year. Totally. So Baltimore Orioles today, first pitch 205. Your Brewers are out there. Rowdy for the Razor's Edge taking the under of nine runs. Orioles have scored, what, one run in one three games? One run in three games. Yikes. They scored one run, I believe, their opening day, which was Friday, and then shut out the last two games. Oofta. And they spent, like, what, $5 in the offseason? If that. Well, I said it earlier, but they're uh, three of their highest-paid players – one is Trey Mancini. The other two are not on their roster. Tough. Tough. Chris Davis retired a couple of years ago. He's their highest paid, right? He's their highest paid guy, obviously retired, and it's deferred money. And then it's Trey Mancini, and then it's Alex Cobb, who pitched for them last year, no longer on the roster, deferred money. Oof. Oof. Brewers got a, got a big series coming out. It's a nice little sweep. Two players to look out for that are actual names for Baltimore that are not prospects or low-level players. Trey Mancini and Cedric Mullins. Hello, friends. Tradition unlike any other. I got to say, man, holding up that number one rank in the world, Scotty Scheffler backed it up. That dude was gangbusters. Did I see that right? Did the dude four-putt? To win the Masters? Did I see that right, Rowdy? You did. And he still won by three strokes. Four putt to win the Masters. Absolutely incredible. It was nice to see Tiger back. Wasn't really in contention, but wearing that red on Sunday looked really damn good. Um, and just the whole tournament was uh, 
Dude, Rory McIlroy yesterday was a gangbusters. Oh, he tied tied uh, one of the best rounds at uh, Augusta. Yeah, he was just absolutely crushing. That. Uh, well, did you see the last hole with yeah, him and Morikawa? Here. We just saw what Rory did. Bunker to bunker. This is impossible. Anything's possible. Yeah, Jim. Out of the bunker, into the hole. So I... It's in the hole. I had the Brewer game up on my laptop, and then I had the Masters on TV. And going into that final hole for Rory, they were talking about how, hey, maybe if he can find a way to birdie this hole, and if something happened, maybe he could find himself into like a playoff tie or, or whatever. Yeah. And his first... Tee shot goes into the bunker down the, which would be the left side of the fairway. Then the second shot goes into the bunker that's to the right side of the uh, green. So he went from bunker to bunker and they're like, well, that's not great. That's not how you wanted to end it. And then he, you know, chips it out of the bunker and makes it. But then the craziest thing is Morikawa, the guy he's golfing with is in the same bunker. And after he made it, Morikawa gets in the bunker and then he chips it out of the bunker and into the hole. It was wild. It was incredible. It was wild. I love the, I just want to play it one more time. Just the announcer here. Just take a listen. One more time. What Rory did. Bunker to bunker. This is impossible. Right here. That, just that right there. Bunker. This is impossible. So dry. So deadpan. This is impossible. Then Jim is like, no, 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 no. Wait for my call, brother. Anything's possible. Boom. Take that. It's like Kevin Garnett's in there. Anything is possible. So good stuff there from Rory. Rory matched his lowest final round score in Masters history, his best round at Augusta National, one shy of the course record, his second lowest round in any major, and finished the only bogey-free round by any golfer all week. Wow. And then, Rowdy. Well, the thing with that was that guy was so money the entire weekend. If he was within 15 feet, it was like middle of the cup. Yeah. Dialed in. Can I do this? Good morning, young Ben Kenny. Hey, guys. How's your weekend? I'm tired. Uh, no, you say it wrong. Remember how you're supposed to say it? I'm tired. Uh, I'm tired. I'm, I'm so, so tired. tired. I'm so tired. Why are you so tired? I don't know. It's because Danny Willett's been on his mind. <laughs> you've been, have you been dreading? Have you been dreading this moment all weekend? No, I really, really don't care. I know you don't, but I just think I. I just want to say <laughs> there is one problem with what you're about to say. He's going to take a victory lap about how well he played on Saturday in his third round, and and this was when the blow up was going to come. <laughs> he played the worst golf I've ever seen. He made a six footer for par on eighteen. He made a ten footer. On 14, a 15-footer on 13, a 12-footer on 12, a 10-footer on 11, 10 on 10. He made a 30-footer for par on 7. He literally did not hit a good shot and made every putt, which is not sustainable. Sounds like he had a pretty damn good weekend putting. So Danny Willett had the putter on fire. So this is what I was going to say. Really quick, really quick. I just had to ask. Ben, after this, I'll be done with it. I can't say the same for Rowdy, but after this, I'll be done with the Willie or the Danny Willett extravaganza, the Danny Willett experience. But right now I got to say it's really funny. And I think you had a tough time Friday because Rowdy was getting after it with the booze. Uh, yeah. 
And I heard and about the Bill Michaels time. I heard about the Bill Michaels show. I was dying laughing. Dying I had to physically laughing. defend my my board. I had to physically I, I defend not, my just, microphone. I, no, I was standing my ground. You were pushing me. It was my ground. It did get a little violent. I heard in the studio there was there, Rowdy and Ben were heads were butting of trying to get on. A mic. I stayed because right I ended I the segment. He tried to come turn his mic back on. That's not how it works when I'm producing a show. I was staying my ground, and then I got a hand on my chest. I heard there was some shoving. And was I was just, shoving? I did not no, do anything No, I, I forcibly pushed him away from the board when he tried to turn his mic back on. I never used any physical contact. I was the one that was physically contacted. Uh, you were physically assaulted? That, I was. Do you want to press any charges? I won't. Okay. But Ben, uh, you, ben do you feel like you're physically assaulted or mentally abused? Uh, no, his but only I claim feel is potentially because no one touches my board while I'm producing a show. Do you want to file any charges? No. Okay. So, all right, well, good. So no charges this filed is, from you. This entities. is what I was actually going to say. Okay. Now you can so, have your moment in the sun, Rowdy. Danny Willett <laughs> finishes tied for 12th. And the funniest thing to me was I came out here, what was that, Thursday morning when we were talking about, you know, who do you think will win, dark horses, whatever. And I literally said... Danny Willett was a past champion less than six years ago. I'll take a 310 to one flyer on him. Five bucks net you over $1,200. That'll be a dark, long, dark horse. I'll do it. He got so upset by it (laughs) that he was just saying that's terrible, bet. that's awful. I become invested in Danny Willett and he became invested because Ben was anti Willett. Exactly. I literally said it was a long shot. Like it's a guy that if I was putting down money and I saw three ten to one in some of the success he'd had on that course, hell I'd pull the trigger. It's not like I was calling for the dude to win. The funniest thing though, was he played well the first round. So he's, you know, He's a little upset and upset is not how I would categorize it. <laughs> we had multiple. I was people. upset that I had to hear you talk about we it. Had we, multiple we say you were people. annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> multiple people. Like, I, didn't, I didn't watch him hit one golf shot all weekend. Dude, they, never even, they, they never even they went never to him. They never even went to him. I know because, coverage. He, because he didn't matter because he's Danny Willett, but he did matter to two people. <laughs> And to one person. The, 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 well, the thing I became mean, invested. Include I mean, Ebo in that. I became invested. Multi, you had multiple people call in and say that you were noticeably shook and upset. But the funniest thing ever was that I just <laughs> called for him to be a long shot. The reason we got here is because you got upset about my long shot. And then that was when you were like, I bet you he won't make the cut. Well, not only did Danny Willett make the cut, I offered you... I offered you Jordan Spieth. You I turned know, we, it down. You've gone, though, you, you, you gone through this whole thing multiple times. No, no, I know because Spieth we've was playing bad golf. I get it. He not then this, he this beat, is it for he beat is it. Justin or he beat Jordan Spieth. Then on top of that, you go. He won't finish top thirty-five, which was a he crazy finishes, bad bet for me because he was tied for seventh and. He finishes tied for 12th. Cool. Then on top of that, cool. I get a text message cool. on Friday afternoon saying, actually, give me Bubba Watson to finish higher than Danny Willett. He was my dark dark horse long shot. Danny Willett finished better than Bubba Watson. You didn't respond to the text. so. Well, I was also busy drinking. Yeah, he was pretty lit. But what I'm saying is every single bet you made with me after me claiming <laughs> Danny Woodhead or Danny Woodhead, Danny Willett was a long shot. <laughs> you lost, and the one thing that I claimed it was a long shot never even happened. But when you look back, 
Danny Willett did everything I asked him to do besides win the tournament, and you're the one mad about it. I'm not mad. So, Ben... I'll I'm just be- mad I have to listen to you go through those chain of events at- over and over again. You came with the Bill Michaels show and said the same thing. It's like, we've heard it. Now, did you we let him on? Happened. Did you let him on or did he force himself on? So this is what happened. It was. Because I heard there was shoving. In the 1 p.m. hour on Friday. Not me. I, His hands are clean. It's, <laughs> it's a three minute break and I, I run to the bathroom. And as I'm going to the bathroom, Nelson's walking the hallway. He says, I'm coming on next segment. I said, no, Bill you're asked not. me. So I come back from the bathroom. He's the sitting Bill, in one of Bill the chairs. I did. I have. Message proofs. Okay. He's sitting in one of the chairs, and he had message Bill. Now, and, is is and, Rowdy's nope. feet up on the desk? And and he came on, which uh, whatever. Bill was. T- it was a good segment. Was it, how was he sitting? Um, it was somewhat like that. Yes. As the segment was winding down, I say, "All right, you're done." I I I turn the mics off. Bill's going to finish the segment. We're going to go to break. And then he walks over and physically starts to turn his mic on and push it back up. <laughs> the fader. Yes. <laughs> And like nudging me out of the way while he <laughs> turned the, the mics way. back no. on to keep talking that's about not, it. That's not how this went down. And that's when it crossed the line. Well, he's from a show called Over the Line. That's not how it went down. But that, but that was the Bill Michaels show. That's a good point. We were we were kind of going back and forth on on the segment. Ben kind of shut it down early, and then I'm like, no, I got one more thing to say. I lean over, try to flick up the the fader and turn it on. Then that's when <laughs> I got pushed, and then I stood my ground. <laughs> That I stood my ground. Uh, you had one more thing to say on the show that I produce when the segment was over. Well, Bill Michaels did message both you and Rowdy after saying that was awesome. I'm sure, yeah, because he enjoys the Ben. As I know, you producing it was a tough go for you because you just wanted to. I understand you wanted to, you know, keep the 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 show on track. As a casual listener and as an observer, I was in my office listening over the radio. It was one of the funniest things I'd ever heard. I'm sure because I could just I could just picture Rowdy just kind of like. Kinda well, you could like, hear the booze in his voice too. <laughs> oh yeah, he was boozed up. You know, he was disheveled, looking his face. Like he get you can see it in his eyes. His hair gets a little messy. It's like oh yeah, my guys, Rowdy's getting after it. Before, all right, and this will be the end of it. And I see who's ever on hold. One second. Has this was this the worst Masters experience for you? No. Okay. I just want, I, I don't want Rowdy and myself to take away from the Masters. I actually experience. have another. No, thing. was it? No, it, it was a good Sunday. But <laughs> I have I have a far worse Masters experience. But that's a longer story. Okay. I will say that this is officially done, unless. Oh. So over the weekend, <laughs> unless what? Over the weekend, you know, I'm monitoring, watching the Masters, watching some baseball. I just was like, curious. <laughs> Does Danny Willett have a Twitter? And I found his Twitter. I may have found his website. I may have put in a contact email for him to do an interview. Yep. So, um, so cool. Danny Willett, hopefully, if, will if be Danny us. Willett responds to me and his PR guy responds to me, this <laughs> will be the last time, unless I can get him for an interview at roughly nine twenty in the morning. Then we will go through this one more time. All and right. I, I just want, I just want to. Uh, have a little friendly conversation. Yeah, Danny right. Willett. Big. I'm you'll a, you'll never, do that. I'm going to lock this door at 10 a.m. I don't think that door locks. Well, I'm going to find a way to to forcibly keep it closed. You might have to jimmy a chair up under it. All right, so Danny Willett may or may not be. The ball is in Danny Willett's court right now. We're waiting on Willett's people to get back I to can, us. I can be very explosive and strong when I want to be. <laughs> Especially when you're drunk.